Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis 18, 1 through 15, and Genesis 21, 1 through 7. Tim will read the first section, and I will read from chapter 21. Listen for a word from God. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return you in due session, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as God had promised. Sarah conceived and bore a son at the time of which God had spoken to Abraham. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son whom Sarah bore, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your story. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes, and our hearts, and our minds to the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So about this time a year ago, Naima and I, our two-year-old daughter, um, got to go on a trip, and it was her very first time uh, riding an airplane. And so we were at the airport waiting to get on our plane and sitting in the gate area. It was pretty crowded. And one of those little carts drove by, you know, those airport, like, golf cart-type transportation things. And 
You probably know they make this high-pitched beep, beep, beep. And something about this cart or the beep or something, Naima thought was hilarious. And so we're sitting facing the, you know, hallway there, and this cart goes by, beep, 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 and she just gets the giggles, starts laughing. And so I start giggling, and a few people around us kind of look up from their phones or their books and, and sort of crack a smile. Well, sure enough, a couple minutes later, another one comes by, beep, 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 and this one is even funnier than the last one. And so she starts just belly laughing, and I start laughing, and this time maybe six or seven people look up and a couple of them chuckle. Pretty soon, the whole gate area is like cheering for carts to come by, and Naima is laughing, and everyone is watching and laughing and clapping with her, and it just spread. It was so much fun. When I was young, I took dance classes, and we have Naima in dance classes now, but we did, in my uh, dance school, we would do a recital in the summer every year and show off what we had learned. And you might have sat through some of these recitals yourself where all these little kids go up on stage in their costumes under the lights and do their dances, and oftentimes there are chuckles in the audience because you never know what's gonna happen when you get a group of four-year-olds up on stage dancing, right? So to prepare us for this as young, young dancers, my dance teacher uh, gathered us all over before the performance, and she sat my class down, Miss Bonnie, wonderful, wonderful woman, I will never forget this. She said, now, kids, when you are out there performing, you are gonna give people such joy that they are gonna smile. And sometimes you're gonna give them so much joy that that smile's gonna spill over into a laugh. And so if you hear the audience laughing, know that they're not laughing at you. They're not making fun of you. They are so full of joy that their sp smiles spilled over into laughter. How beautiful is that? And so I remember being out there and hearing chuckles from the audience and not feeling embarrassed, but thinking they are joyful. A couple months ago, a few friends and I went to go see a, a stand-up comedian here in Detroit. And I have not laughed that hard and long and continuously for a long time. And it's, this was only a couple of months ago, but I could not tell you a single joke this comedian said right now. I couldn't remember any specific joke, but I can tell you that I felt very known. This comedian is in about my life phase, and he was able to speak to things that I just really resonated with, everyday kind of normal things that when you look at it in a certain way are actually pretty funny. And so as he did his stand-up comedy routine, I remember feeling known and feeling like it was so funny. It was one of those times that I laughed so hard that I cried. I couldn't see there were so many tears. Laughter is mysterious, and it's almost magical, and it feels kind of holy. People say laughter is the best medicine. Mark Twain was famous that saying laughter is the, really the only true weapon we have as humans, that it's more powerful than anything else. There's something magical and mysterious about laughter, and no one really, really understands it. People have studied it, 
psychologists have studied it, theologians have studied it, um, neuroscientists have studied it, scientists of all kinds have studied it and tried to understand it, and there's all kinds of pretty developed theories about laughter and about what makes people laugh, but no one has really gotten it quite perfect. They all admit, oh, this doesn't apply to every situation of laughter, and we can't really explain it. Think again about a moment when you have had genuine, genuine laughter. What did your body feel like? What was happening in your mind? How would you describe your spirit in that moment? It's holy. The theologian Karl Barth said, laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. Laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. Laughter came up twice in the story that Tim and I read just a moment ago. Laughter played a central role in that story. It's a story of Abraham and Sarah, these great traditional characters from the Hebrew scriptures, and they're in their tent, and Abraham goes to sit outside, and he notices three strangers walking up, three visitors, travelers on the road. And he doesn't know who they are. They're strangers. And looking at the text now, we say, oh, well, it's God. Some people say, oh, it's the Trinity. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some say, oh, it's God and two angels. Some say, well, it's a representation through humans of God. But for Abraham in this moment, these were just strangers. And he ran out to greet them, to be hospitable. He went and said, come and rest under my tree. I'll give you water to wash your weary feet. I will give you food. Come, and I will share the little I have. But then instead, he hurries up and he goes to get the best of what he has, and he and Sarah offer radical hospitality. They give these strangers meat and milk and cakes and rest and water, and they wash and stand by them. This story is meant to highlight radical hospitality. It's paired the way the scriptures are lined up with the story of Sodom and judgment of those that are not hospitable. And this is a big arrow of God saying, it is important to me that you welcome, that you include the strangers, those that are different from you, and that you offer radical hospitality. And so that's what Abraham and Sarah do, and they bring these visitors, these strangers in, and pretty soon Abraham discovers there's something that's not so ordinary about these three people. One of them says, hey, where is your wife, Sarah? She will have a son. And this actually isn't the first time Abraham has heard this promise, but this is the first time Sarah overhears and she laughs. This laughter in this moment is not the overflowing joy kind of laughter. This is the surprise and disbelief kind of laughter. And this is, this is common as well. Many of those scientific studies about laughter noted that humans laugh when something unexpected happens. It might not be particularly funny, but sometimes we laugh when we don't know what else to do, when we have all kinds of feelings in us that don't seem to match up and we don't know what to do with it, we laugh. This is why kids sometimes will laugh when they're in trouble. 
not because they're trying to be obnoxious, but because they have so many things going on inside of them that they don't know how to express, and it comes out as laughter. And this is what's happening with Sarah. So much so that she feels guilty about laughing and denies it later. But God does not judge Sarah for laughing. And in fact, when Abraham first heard this promise in chapter 17, Abraham also laughed. And God does not judge them for the laughter. It's as if God is saying, yeah, this is kind of a ridiculous promise, I know. But they have every reason to believe that the promise of a child is impossible. They'd given up on the idea of having their own children. They are advanced in age, as the Bible says. I think we should all start using that phrase, by the way. Times when you feel really old, just say, I am so advanced in age. Sarah questions this promise. And in verse 14, these strangers, these representatives of God say, is anything too wonderful for God? Is anything too marvelous for God? And this question is asked not to judge or to shame Sarah, but to extend the conversation. It's meant to invite her into curiosity and imagination. Is there anything that is beyond the wonder and amazement of God? The three strangers receive hospitality. They confirm this promise, and then they leave. And then sure enough, a few chapters later, we read that Sarah conceives and has a son named Isaac. And Sarah laughs when it happens, and she says, who could have ever believed it? God has brought laughter for me, and everyone who hears will laugh with me, she says. In fact, they mark the moment by the name, because Isaac means laughter. Now her laughter has turned to joy. She has received the impossible and is so overflowing that that joy spreads to others. Laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. What is too marvelous for God? What is too wonderful? I wonder in your own life what amazing, surprising, wonderful things God has done. Maybe it came in the form of a child, or of healing, or of a true friendship, or of a meal when you were hungry. What marvelous ways has God shown up in your own life? You know, there are a lot of people right now who feel very hurt and excluded and cut off from the church as a whole church across the world, from the church as an institution and from individuals within the church. And unfortunately, that has been the case since the very beginning because we are human beings trying to do the work of God. But even today in particular, the past couple of weeks, there have been some really hard things happening in the world that have made people feel further alienated and hurt and harmed by the church. Some denominations have taken very direct actions to silence women and to further exclude LGBTQ plus folks. And people have felt left out and harmed. The promises of God are so marvelous 
and so wonderful. And the way that I read about the life and the words of Jesus tell me that those promises are for everyone. God's promises sound like this. I forgive you. I love you. No matter what you've done, no matter what doctrines you say you believe, no matter who you love, I will be with you in everything. You are called to bring hope and peace to a hurting world. You are called to preach, no matter your gender. God's promises are marvelous. And what are we doing as a church if we spend our time building up walls to exclude people and not shout those promises on the rooftops of inclusion and love and hope? Those promises spread a kind of joy that's as contagious as laughter. Laughter is the grace of God, and we can be people who spread it in the world. Sometimes God feels a little too big to imagine. And as I was thinking about this text today, I was inspired to think of God as I think of laughter. What happens in laughter? Maybe this will help me understand God a little more. Well, in laughter, I feel safe. Those studies where they research whether people can discern fake or real laughter tell us that people can only genuinely laugh if they feel truly secure. It could be the funniest stand-up comedian in the world, but if you're in a place where you feel unsafe, you're not going to have genuine laughter. Being with God is supposed to be about feeling safe, safe enough to be who you are and to let those smiles spill out into laughter. Laughter indicates relationship. It's communal. People are 30 times more likely to laugh when they're with other people than if they're on their own even if they see the exact same thing that's funny. Laughter is about relationship, it's about connectedness, it has that contagious effect. It is about community, as is a relationship with God. And laughter is unforced, it shows a true authenticity. It reminds us that we really are who we are in our bodies, in our minds, that we can be present with God. When Sarah has Isaac, she says, the people will laugh with me. She sees the connected social nature of it. She feels safe in God's promise, and she's surprised at all the wonderful things God can do, and that rubs off on the people around her. I hope that we can become the kind of people that provide radical hospitality to the point that we're creating spaces where people can laugh how great would it be if our goal at Fort Street was to make every visitor laugh? Instead of get their contact information or get them to sign up for a committee or to come back to church, what if we said we want every visitor to laugh? That's a church I would want to come back to, a place where I felt safe enough and known enough to laugh. Maybe we should have like stand-up comedians be our greeters. I don't know. We've got to figure out some ideas, but brainstorm with me. I hope that we can be the kind of people who shout God's inclusive, loving promises from the rooftops. And so I'm going to give you all 
a piece of homework this week. I would like you, sometime in this next week, to create a space to laugh. Now, you can't force it. We've proven that already with your terrible fake laughters during the time for the child. But try to create a space where laughter might be possible. Maybe that means calling a friend and telling them a funny story or asking them to tell you a funny story. Maybe it means watching a stand-up comedian. Maybe it means asking a child their favorite joke. But see if you can find space to laugh this week. And if you find something that makes you genuinely laugh, please share it. Tell me about it. Email me. Put it on our Facebook page. Share it with others. I would love to hear what makes you laugh. Let's find ways to laugh together as a congregation. So, you know, if we can laugh together, we can also cry together. It's amazing how intertwined laughter and tears are, isn't it? We can remember together that God's marvelous promises are closer than we might think. Laughter reminds us of the grace of God, and we are grateful. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for the gift of laughter. I pray that you would help us to find things that bring it out of us, to be hospitable so that others feel safe to laugh, and to remember you as we do laugh. Lord, bless us all in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.